Welcome to the new Positive Talk Radio Show. With me, Kevin McDonald is your host. Our mission is to entertain, enlighten, empower, and educate all of us to break free from hate, division, and fear. And as one, create something better. Yes, it's been 18 years since Positive Talk Radio ended. And yes, I promised that we'd be back, which proves that your dreams are only dead if you let them be. So please, join me and other inspiring people as we continue to explore a better way to live for us, our children, and our planet. And again, welcome to my dream. And welcome back to Martha Norwalk's Animal World. This is the fourth Sunday of the month, which means... It's Positive Talk Radio with Kevin McDonald, and we've got a great show for you for the rest of the day, and I'm glad you're here. Uh, by the way, if you want to find out more about Martha Norwalk, go to MarthaNorwalk.com. She's a animal behavioral therapist, and she also works with humans to teach you how to work with your animals, and uh, with your animals to teach them how to work with you because they may be smarter than you. Um, well, maybe, uh, in any event, uh, this hour we've got, I, I conducted an interview with her on the podcast, my independence report, and we had such a good time and I felt like her information was so necessary and statistics show that 85% of Martha Norwalk's, um, audience is predominantly female. And it's really important that uh, we get this information uh, out, and so that you can go get get the book. It's <laughs> this is audio. I was going to show the book and the camera, but I but that won't do any good. Um, but the, the the name of the book is "Call Me a Woman" and uh, "Our Way to Equality and Peace." And she's a number one bestseller. And her name is Lori Levine. And Levine, right? No, Levine. <laughs> No, no. <laughs> you know, we're going to have a lot of fun. I, I enjoy this. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, so our, our guest what, name is Lori. Guest? Is Lori. Levin. Oh. Rhymes with heaven. I never would have guessed that. Well, anyway. Uh, <laughs> How many Lori, Jewish people do you know? <laughs> that's a good point. Um, Lori Levin is with us and she is uh, an award-winning author, author and the name of the book is called Call Me a Woman. Lori, first of all, I got to I got to start off with why'd you write the book? Why why not? You know, I have to say I I think anymore it feels like being an American is a bit of a traumatic experience. And when you are female, maybe you know, and, and person of color, persons of color certainly as well, there's a lot of trauma when inequality is so rampant. So I began feeling at very young at age, experienced a lot of uh, tough times in my 20s around sexual assault, and just felt compelled about 15 years ago after reading a terrible news story about a young woman raped and murdered, sad that her story for her parents, for her family ended up in a newspaper, you know, under those circumstances. And I sat down in my fury and I wrote a poem called Call Me a Woman. And I said, you know what? I think I'm going to make write a book and I'm going to call it the same thing. It just I just felt so motivated at that time after about 50 something years of life in America. So that's the reason. And it's a, it's the best reason I can think of, because you're right. Um, I would like to think that America is the best country in the world. However, we've got problems. And we need to work on these problems to understand 
ourselves a little bit better and to help the other people that are around us and to recognize that we are all the same, that we are all one, and that we each one of us deserves to be treated fairly and positively and to have the same opportunities as everybody else. Do you agree? Oh, my goodness. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, just I used to hear that about America, always oh, the best country in the world. You know, we've heard that for a long, long time, right? And I would always say or think about that person and think, well, they've barely been out of the United States. How do they know that? What other countries have they experienced? And then later on, I would say to the person that said that, well, it depends upon what you value. Because what I realized were the things that were so important to me weren't important, didn't seem to be that important to uh, the United States, and collectively speaking, when I looked at what the country was doing and the market was making in the world. You know, we've just been named in the past couple of years the 10th most dangerous country in the world to be a woman. Number one, India, Syria, Afghanistan. That's the list we're on. 10th most dangerous country for 50% of the, of con- 51% of the country's population. So it's not so rosy for a lot of us, right, Kevin? It's just not so rosy. It amazes me when you first mentioned that statistic on the, on the podcast, it was like, what 50 would that's 50% of our population is having to deal with things that, uh, that the other 50% doesn't even consider having to deal with, or maybe 45%. There are a few, uh, that have been sexually abused that are men, but, uh, most of the time it's women. Yeah. And you know, I just was driving home the other day and I noticed it was, it was, uh, after you know it was dark and man walking along a park area and i thought gosh here i am 66 and i've never felt comfortable doing that by myself at night you know women just don't have feel that comfort in in the world what was more even more um amazing is that the most dangerous place for a woman is her home so it isn't out on the streets it isn't after dark walking near a park it's in fact in her home. So wherever we are, you know, I just, when you mentioned 85% of the re, of the audience here my, is female, I, I love that men are listening as well. And I'm looking at two of them right now as we're doing this. So I'm happy to see you both today. And thank you so much for your time and uh, the opportunity to be with you. Because it's really an important story for men when you hear men talking, you know, the, the culture that keeps women unsafe in the country and the world, I hope you'll challenge it. And I offer some suggestions in the book as we look at, you know, all, all of us are complicit, right, in the cultures that we live in. If there's racism, right, in the country, which we know there is, white people are all complicit. If there's sexism and misogyny, all men are complicit in some way, because that's the culture which we're, we're all plugging into. So in the book, I was really excited to be able to share the habits of inequality that so many of us, most of us, if not all of us, are plugging into. And then the seven habits of equality so that all of us can be feel a part of the solution. You know, I'm always hopeful uh, about the future. And some days it gets a little more tougher than others. But uh, I'm hopeful, you know, that we are turning this around. I think we're seeing the last stand, quite honestly, right now in terms of you know, uh, a lot of the issues, the isms, it's going to take time. I'm not going to see it in my lifetime, probably, where the end of this, you know, such inequality exists, certainly. But I think we're making serious headway. It's just a lot slower than I would have liked looking at uh, back over 66 years. Well, you know, it's interesting because in your life, the lifespan of 66 years, 
you, women had only had the right to vote when you were born for about 40 years. Because it's only been 100 years now since women were given, for lack of a better term, the, the right to vote, even though they are, without a doubt, women are, are as special as men and have got a great brain and can use it. And I, to think, I think back on, on the number of people the, whose brain power and ability to do things we have wasted over time because we haven't given them the opportunity. Yeah. It's, it's staggering, isn't it? I actually have a line in the book about that, how staggering it is when you think of the lost potential. But in fact, uh, the right to vote is the only constitutional right that women have in the United States. We're one of very few UN countries where women are not included in the Constitution. So this is something we've been working on. I have been for 50, almost 50 years, the Equal Rights Amendment still hasn't passed. We still are not included in the Constitution of the United States other than the 19th Amendment and the right to vote. So I don't have the same constitutional rights as you two do. Um, and it, it breaks my heart to, it breaks my heart just about every day because I have a Google alert that comes up about the Equal Rights Amendment you know, every day to see what's happening. And we're still, it feels like we're so close, but yet it still feels like we're so far. In what, terms would you say to, past. what would you say to people that say, oh, heck, you don't need the, the, the Equal Rights Amendment. You've got all the rights of the world. You can do anything you want for two-thirds of the pay. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, check the news. Check your bank account. Look at the leadership, right? We're paid what? Um, well, let's talk about Hispanic women, maybe 56 cents on the dollar, uh, women, uh, black women in the 60s, uh, women in general, 80 cents on a dollar, 76 maybe. I've seen 76 to 80 cents on the dollar. So it takes women April of the next year to make what men have made in, you know, in the past 12 months. We have to work free for several more months in order to have the, you know, earn the same amount of money. So when you look at that bank account over the course of a lifetime, we've got about $400,000 less money in our bank account. Of course, we live longer. So it makes for a very difficult life, not just while we're raising our children, right? And most many of us are single moms. Much of many of us become impoverished when that becomes the case. So yeah, we're paid less, right? Um, the violence against women is rampant. Every day, three women are killed in America. Every six, nine seconds, a woman is beaten. Every nine, uh, six minutes, a woman is raped. That's probably more like every one minute. So equal rights, um, I would say not. And if it, we had equal rights, we wouldn't have needed a 19th. You know, a lot of people use the 14th Amendment uh, to say, oh, yeah, got it. We got it covered with the 14th Amendment. Well, we wouldn't have needed a 19th Amendment, which just gave us the right to vote. But we were still pretty much property back then when the 19th Amendment was passed. Many rights were still not available. I mean, in the 60s, we, my mother, my mother uh, passed away in 1967. So I can speak to the in terms of those the 60s for her. She couldn't get a credit card in her own name. Right. So, you know, that's kind of hogwash. And also um, women, there's a category that for judicial review when a case comes to the Supreme Court. So race, national origin and religion all have what's called strict scrutiny 
kinds of uh, kind of judicial review. But when it comes to gender, it's intermediate scrutiny, which makes it much more difficult to win a case based on gender discrimination. You have to prove intent, where with race, national origin, and religion, you really don't have to do that. They're allowed what's called strict scrutiny. Again, it, it, it sets gender apart. Why? Why would gender discrimination be any less uh, important, significant, need, needing the same level of judicial review? Why would it be you know, deemed anything less than that? And in fact, it is. So people say that really, on, in all respect, out of ignorance. They're not aware of statistics. They're not really understanding the Constitution as it sits today. But when you survey Americans, over 85, 90% of Americans believe in equality, and most of them believe the Equal Rights Amendment has passed. That's not the case. So we've got some education there to do and a lot of work to do with it. But with that will come, wow, an amazing thing to be able to say, finally, the United States covers women in the Constitution. That's going to be a great day. I hope to see it. Now, uh, in your research, what does the Equal Rights Amendment do for women specifically, but also for uh, people of uh, color and uh, and every, everyone who's not a white guy. And by the way, most of the white guys happen to be in Congress. Um, but that's that's, yeah. that's a story for another time. Uh, yeah, but- that's our next conversation. God, as I'm banging my head against the whatever. You know, I say when women lead, negotiate, and legislate, we all win. Gosh, just just check check the box, people. I'll tell you, we're transforming the world. I love a study that I did, and I'll get back to the Equal Rights Amendment in just a minute, but it looks at um, five global reports. And wow, when you see when those countries, the top 20 countries on those five, what they're doing, and most have been led by women, let's give it a shot, America. Let's give it a shot. We can't be doing much worse than we are right now. you know. And, and it's not inherent in women that we're better, that we're smarter. I've never said that. Not at all. It's just how we're raising how we raise girls and how we raise boys. We have a, we create a different mindset, a different skill set uh, in the process of the toys and the activities that we, you know, provide them. And so uh, that's a detailed in my book as well. And I, I, just a conversation we all need to have. And as a matter of fact, subject of my next book, which I've decided to write, which is going to be a playbook. I'm a sports lover, and so uh, it's going to be a playbook for parenting in life called Parenting with Soul. How do we create the world we really would like to leave our kids, right? So the ERA is vitally important. It'll shore up so many things that we all want to, you know, equal pay, health care choices, all these things that men have. We just want the same constitutional rights, nothing more, nothing less. But right now, all we have is the right to vote in the Constitution. And as I said, when a case comes before the Supreme Court, like the uh, Ledbetter case for equal pay, she lost because she couldn't prove uh, intent, where you wouldn't have to do that had it been a case on race, uh, race discrimination. So there's just so many reasons and great books out there that people can get on the Equal Rights Amendment and the difference it'll make. But you name it, violence against women, equal pay, uh, health care choices, all these things. We just want we just want the same constitutional rights as men. Nothing more, nothing less. By the way, we're talking with Lori, and I'm going to try and say this correctly, Levin. Yay, you got it. Hey, got it. And, and <laughs> the, name, 
<laughs> the name of the book. The name of the book is "Call Me a Woman: Our Way to Equality and Peace." We're Can I correct re- that? Would you mind if I correct you again? Oh no! What did I do now? <laughs> Gosh, this white guy. If I could just get him to. Boy, no kidding. Our, <laughs> on, on our way to. There you equality. go. You you tend to uh, leave out that word "on our way," but that's okay. I, I was never takes a team takes a village i yes indeed i'm gonna have to get a new prescription for my glasses i'll do that during the break which we're gonna take right now because <laughs> uh, uh we'll be back with uh Lori and um the, and the author of call me a woman right after the, <laughs> i'm not even gonna go there again uh right after we take the these commercial messages christmas final sunday of the month and which means it's positive talk radio uh, with Kevin McDonald, by the way, Positive Talk is coming back to KKNW Mondays at 9 and Wednesdays at 4. Just thought I'd throw that in there. We're talking with Lori Levin, and she has written the book, Call Me a Woman on Our Way to Equality and Peace. And I wanted to make sure I got that out there. But, Lori, something that you said in the first segment that I have to follow up with, and that is most women get assaulted in their own home, which means to me that most women get assaulted in their own home by somebody that they know. Is that right? Isn't You know, and your tone just lets me why connect with you, uh, Kevin, because you get it. Isn't that, it's very sad, isn't it? It's horrible. Yeah, probably 60% uh, of the time, and it's, it's an intimate partner or a previous intimate partner. It's very sad. It's a family member. You know, it's someone you've trusted. You should be able to trust. Not that you necessarily did, because perhaps early on in life, you were assaulted too by somebody in your family, an uncle, an aunt. I mean, this goes both ways, certainly, but I don't mean to always be focusing on male violence. It's just the most pervasive kind in the world. And so again, I want to go back to, you know, how we're raising boys. I just read a great book by uh, Michael Ian Black called Be a Better Man. And I, I just always, I love authors that are doing such great work in, in books out there. And he said, we raise boys to go to war and we go to war because of the way we raise boys. And it's so true. And if they're not warring in combat fatigues, then it's in their homes. It's in the home. And so we feel the repercussions of that. And in fact, if you look at the most warring countries in the world, they have the highest incidence of domestic violence. So the, when you see the United States on that top 10 list, the Thompson, uh, the, um, oh goodness, is it the Thompson Roy, I think Reuters Foundation study that named the United States the 10th most dangerous country in the world. You know, we're one of the most warring countries in the world, right? And so when I looked at that peace index, the United States doesn't come anywhere near the top 20 countries. So, you know, we are the most warring. So we have one of the higher incidents of domestic violence. And I like to say male violence, domestic violence and date rape. These things take the perpetrator out of the equation altogether. So let's call it what it is. You know, we say police violence, police shootings, right? Let's call it what it is. So, yeah, it's very, um, you know, that's where I was assaulted first on a college campus. And then in my home, um, raped in both of those scenarios. So here you go off to college, you know, so when I'm sending my daughter off to college, I'll tell you, it was, it was a traumatic experience for me because I couldn't help my mind, you know, on a Friday night or Saturday night while she's far away in another city on a college campus, my mind would oftentimes drift to that experience that I had. 
And you know, the sad thing is in our culture today, it's not necessarily dysfunctional people that are doing this. I'll give you an example. There's a gal that uh, is, is a regular on my show that uh, her name is uh, Dana Parker, and she grew up in a highly religious family. And in the course of her adolescence, she was sexually abused by multiple members of her family who were all dedicated to this particular religion. Mm-hmm. And so it's not, it's not dysfunctional people necessarily. It seems to be deeply embedded in our culture at some sort of weird, icky way. Is, is, that, is that right? Uh, you know, you could be a spokesperson for, for the cause here, I have to tell you. It's it, very icky. It's ugly, isn't it? It's really a sad statement on a culture that has this cowboy mentality. You know, the little war games that boys play, they're taught to dominate things and people. And to be a man, what's that mean? You better dominate women, right? You better dominate women in some way, earn more money, have the bigger job, right? And if you don't, watch out. Watch out what society will do to that man and what they say to him. You know, it's really hard to be the guy that wants to stay home and take care of the kids. And that's a wonderful role to take on. It's hard to be the guy, the kind, respectful, caring guy in this culture. It's hard to be the guy that doesn't, you know, play football or whatever it is. These are tough things to be. Um, Just watched a great movie. I have to say yesterday with I I enjoyed it with uh, Justin Timberlake. It's called Palmer. And he just gets out of prison. You know, he's kind of a tough guy. He's the football, the quarterback, all that stuff. And he just melts when this little boy comes into his life who wants to be a princess. And, you know, and it's wonderful. It's wonderful. It's just a great little story. You know, I just really enjoyed it. it. It gave me hope. He just melted with this kid. And that's where we're heading. You know, as a world that just values people wherever and whoever they are, let's not ramroad some stupid gender identity on people before we even know, before they even speak their first word. <laughs> we don't even know them and we're labeling them and putting them on a trajectory that oftentimes causes serious trauma. So yeah. Exactly. It's like a little boy, uh, don't cry, you're a big boy or what, yeah. you know, but, but oh. I wanted, I wanted to mention another thing that, that, uh, that, is a society issue that they keep talking about, but they don't seem to do anything about because we've been literally at war. I was on um, uh, KKNW. I did a show called Positive Talk Radio in 2003. 2003. We have literally been at war. We went to war that spring of 2003. We've been at war the entire time since then. And what that has given us is lots of guys who come back and whose brains are damaged. Yes. Yet we are not doing the, and which leads in a lot of cases to domestic violence and men and men attacking their wives and in some cases even killing them and, and stuff because we're not taking care of the fundamental problem that, that and recognizing that we're bringing back millions of people who are mentally damaged and we're not helping them to lead more productive lives and it's hurting their families. I I know people that have, that have had their, their spouse come back from the war zone, like either Afghanistan or, or Iraq. And they say he is fundamentally different now than he was then. And yeah, 
and but we're not doing anything about that and a lot of times the 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 wife is the, re, the is the recipient of the anger that is generated by all of that do you agree with that well of course my heart breaks for for what you're talking about but i also go to the fact that women in the military the incidents you know they're they're well, there is that threat. Their biggest threat. So I'm not sure that it's all the guys that have experienced PTSD necessarily that are in that situation, you know, are creating that because the women over there, I, I'm, I could be wrong here with 70%. I'm just thinking from my brain, seven, from way back when looking at 70% of women in the service who have PTSD have been, have been sexually assaulted by their peer. So their biggest threat is not, you know, on the other side of the firing, right? It's it's their own, uh, what would we call them? Or their own, whether they're in their army, the, the people that they're serving with. You'd call that friendly fire. Friendly fire. Yeah. Yeah, you know. very, yeah, exactly. So it's coming from within is, again, where the danger is. So I think we've got a lot to clean up. We can blame in mental illness and all. Let's go back to the, well, let's look at the the starting point here. How are we raising boys? How are we raising girls? And if we could get away, my first habit of equality is um, a human identity. Hey, here's an idea, folks. Why are we looking at girls and boys like, oh, girls get this toy and boys get, it just drives me crazy. I'd walk into toy stores forever when I was a young mom and I was going to, you know, taking my daughter off to birthday parties and I went in and bought the gift and they would say, well, what gender? Who are we buying for, a girl or a boy? I would never answer that question. You know, it was always I'm looking for a seven-year-old child. Uh, I'd like to find something creative, intellectually or socially stimulating, something like that. Give me something creative or cool or whatever. But I'd say, and then I'd always say, gender is not relevant. You know, it's just not relevant. So when we stop doing all that stuff and pink is for, you know, all that is crazy uh, because the, the skills that are taught, and, and not taught, really. I remember writing the book, I saw this, it was the beautiful uh, coloring book for the girl and the smarter scientist, I forget what it was, a, a coloring book for the boy. I mean, it was something that for the boy, it facilitated learning, you know, and creativity and science. And the girl, it was the beautiful coloring book, how to be beautiful. So, you know, again, this stuff sends out some very powerful messages. So we really want to go back because whether it's in the police force, whether it's in the army, whether it's in the home, it's the same shit. Excuse the language. It's the same stuff, right? We're dodging a bullet everywhere we go. And men are suffering too. They are suffering too. And so my heart goes out there and that's covered in my book. And the fourth habit of equality is, gosh darn it, let's respect kind and caring men. Let's elevate them. That's the strong guy, right? We talk about strong women. We have to kind of overcome things that our identity, right, has suppressed in us that is needed to be independent and valued and feel good about ourselves in the world. Well, we need to do the same thing for men. Strong men are not the ones that are going to physically beat somebody up on the street. I don't want that. You know, this language of can I walk you home? I get so crazy about that. What woman would say that to a man? Stop beating us up. Then I don't need an escort. Right. So I'll walk with you, I would say, but you're not going to walk me anywhere. I'm not a child. Right. So that language perpetuates this dominance and kind of like, let me guard and protect you from that which I am. 
<laughs> but you know, it's yeah. interesting because we talked about this last time and in your book, you also mentioned it. And that is when a young boy likes to run and jump and climb trees and play ball and throw and stuff. He's the, he's the, uh, uh, what the uh, uh he's off the old block he's he's just like his dad was when a girl wants to run and jump and climb trees oh she's a tomboy she'll get over it boy she's a tomboy i couldn't stand that way back when everybody in my family we were well we're just talking i don't know if you know the st louis cardinals or what on a 15th uh, game winning streak so my family was all texting at two in the morning i heard a text because i had, had had woken up last night about two in the morning and I, there was a text from my niece talking about the Cardinals winning streak. streak. So we're all avid, ad, you know, uh, athletes. But from going way back today, I'm thrilled, though. Not the case. My daughter going through her school. I mean, the, the girls' sports are as highly thought of in her school. I know that's not always the case. But what a change for me to sit in the bleachers. And now with my niece, who plays D1 soccer for, uh, for um, university here in South Carolina, um, I'm just thrilled at the state when I see the stands are full, right? I mean, it's just because that was not the case when we were playing ball, but yeah, we just, we want to play ball. We want to play. We want to hit a ball with a bat and catch a ball. I was better than so many of the boys. I remember in school catching balls, you know, out in left field, right field, where I like to play center field. And they would just be so mad as they walked off or, or that game dodgeball. I would be the last person standing and the boys just were so angry and mortified, you know, and it was isolating back then. You were kind of looked at like something was wrong with you. You were a tomboy, you know. No, I was a girl who liked to play sports. So anyway, I think that's changed considerably, but we're still paid a hell of a lot less when we do a hell of a lot more when it comes to, you know, being an athlete. You know, I was thinking about that because I was listening to a report that uh, there's a gal who plays for the Seattle um, Seattle uh, uh, female uh, basketball team. The Storm. Uh, the Storm. That, thank you. Thank you. That escaped me just for a moment. Her name is Sue Bird. She's been playing professional basketball for like 18 years, and uh, she makes about $250,000 a year. And she is kind of like the same timeline as uh, LeBron James, who makes about $35 million a year. Yeah. So it is it is a completely different and people would say well it's a, it's a TV money it's it's the amount of people in the stands and stuff like that but there needs to be it needs to be a little bit closer than that don't you think That's a big gap right And when you look at the US women's soccer team not long ago I was at a political event a young man had written a book he was a professional soccer player had been in his life and he written this book and I forget the exact title of it I don't want to single him out because it's kind of just a pervasive thought in our culture and, a, you know, something we all do. But he said the reason it was something about, you know, why soccer um, is something is less important in the United States it, or, you know, isn't as, uh, isn't a sport, uh, you know, that people are really running to attend. And I it was like, I looked at him and I said, first of all, he was at a political event for a female candidate. For a major candidate, the first woman female uh, candidate for the president of the United States. That's the event we were at, right? So it gives you an idea of where we were. But And he had written this book. And I said, have you not heard of the U.S. women's soccer team? They're the number one team in the world. You know, the men have never won. The women have, what, won four times? 
the right. U.S. women's soccer team. We are the best in the world many years, right? Just absolute best. So again, the thought is if it's not a man's team, then it really doesn't count as much. And yet these women, if you saw their workout, I don't know if you saw one of the athletes, one of the soccer players, she showed the weight room. There were like two little into like a, a stand side by side with some dumbbells right there, some weights. And that was it. That was the entire workout room where the guys she showed, you know, was just the, the <laughs> top technology and thousands of square feet. It was just an incredible difference. But women are, you know, with Serena Williams and I mean, we're packing the audience, right, to see uh, women today. Yet, yes, the pay is is grossly inadequate. No question about it. By the way, we are talking with uh, Lori Levine, Love the La Heaven. Lori, Lori. I'm Love sorry. It. You would think that I was a professional at this, but apparently, <laughs> Lori Levin, and uh, she written, she's written the book. Call me a woman on our way to equality and peace. We need to take a break so that I can, you know, gather my wits about me. And we'll be right back after these messages. Uh, these are Martha's uh, sponsors. She vets all of them. Please pay attention. We'll be right back after these messages. And welcome back to Martha Norwalk's Animal World. It's the last Sunday of the month, which means it's Positive Talk Radio with Kevin McDonald. And we have a great guest with us today her name is Lori Levine Levin <laughs> Lori Levin I don't know why I have such trouble with that it it, it, it you know, amazes me but anyway she's written the book call me a woman our way to equality and peace it's the number one bestseller and first of all you must be really proud that it's done so well well, thank you. You know, it's, it, we've got a lot of work to do, certainly. Uh, I, I really would love to get it in the hands of a lot more people. So I just invite, uh, you know, the, the audience here to check it out, you know, just read a little bit about it, see if it's something that interests you, something you're, you'd like to, you know, to read and, and think about and, uh, you know, write a review, if you will. I, I really welcome that. Um, whatever you have to say, I'd love to hear. It's just such an important conversation. You know, I just want to elevate this conversation. That which happens to women happens to all of us. And when women rise, we do take the world with us. So it is really an opportunity that we have when it comes to poverty, war and violence and climate change. It's the solution. It's linked. You know, we look at the gender gap. And when we close that gender gap, we see all those things tremendously reduced. So uh, it is a, it's, it's an opportunity for all of us. Uh, to really embrace a whole new way of living. So I'd love for everybody to check it out. Thank you. Please do. And by the way, it seems to me that there's kind of a disconnect because everybody wants their mother to be happy, to do well, to be financially secure. Why can't that, why does that not translate into the entire gender cycle if you amazing question that's a really astute i just love that kevin that's a fabulous question well let's go back again to the male identity how are we raising boys you know here's a good example when we say uh daddy's little girl what comes to mind to you Oh, a cute little girl in a dress sitting on daddy's lap, um, w looking at him with those eyes of, of, I just love you, daddy. And what about the dad and the, the yeah, the relationship? All good, right? It's a good but, relationship. Yeah. Daddy's but, little girl. 
right? Yeah, but the, well, yeah, but there are there are negative connotations to that 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 oh. of daddy of daddy abusing little girl because he can. It, it, it there's some really it can get icky stuff. too. But really, when we think all oh, that daddy's little girl, you know, whatever, we have a more positive, don't we? Yeah, kind of, we do. Now what about now? What about this one? A mama's boy. Oh well, he's the guy that got gets picked on on the playground and isn't very smart and and he's 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 effeminate and he is not you know you know what I mean and it's a stereotype that is not only not true or should not be true, but it's it's uh, it, it's damaging. Yeah, so you see, the difference starts very early on, right? If you're connected to your dad as a daughter, you're and or as a son, all is well. But if you're connected to your mother, there's a negative about that, right? You know, the most um, unflattering words in our language are about females and female anatomy. Um, you know, the insults and so forth. You know, I won't yeah. use them because we're on radio. Um, and I've just been informed we can't do that. So, uh, <laughs> right. But um, yeah. So again, you got to go back to the male identity. Who has the greatest access to resources and power in the world? It's men and their identity. So they've designed a world for them, right? And it, it works seems, for them. And it perpetuates actually all the stuff we've been talking about. Well, in, in a lot of ways, well, as we've talked about it before, is that, and I believe I can say this word, he'll go jump at the dump button, but, but if men are assertive, and powerful and and take no prisoners and take no for an answer they're powerful assertive wonderful leaders and men if women do it they're a total bitch that's just not a fair assessment of how we should be looking at each other right and that's what the poem if you look back on the poem in the book it says it's call me a woman you know when i turn 18 will you call me a woman if not when i'm 21 30 or maybe 50 how old must i be before you call me a woman and I go on there. But at the end of it, it says, so tell me um, if I say, please, and act ladylike, will you call me a woman? I know when I get angry or become a boss, it is likely you will call me a bitch. If I dress a certain way or I'm seen with a certain someone it is likely you will call me a slut. So tell me, please, I need to know before it's too late. How must I act before you call me a woman? Who must I be and how much longer must I wait? So that was a poem I wrote 15 years ago that kicked off the book. But again, that's why the book is named Call Me a Woman, because on that day, when you call women women, like you call men men in adulthood, you know, we say sales girl, but, you know, to a 50 year old woman, we don't say sales boy to a 50 year old man. We say sales man. When I'm given that same level of respect, that's the day you'll pay me the same. That's the day you'll elect me the same. Right. That's the day I'll have equal health care choices you know, choices about my body. That's the day. But until you call me a woman, until you respect me in the same way, it's not going to happen. So that's the awareness I want to see heightened, right? Respect. No, R-E-S-P-E-C-T. <laughs> and uh, she, she sang that song wonderfully. It's um, amazing. Great song. And Jennifer Hudson's singing it today. I love that when she sings it as well. Oh, and there's another one. Do you remember Helen Reddy? Of course I do. Helen, what is that? Uh, Woman's uh, be strong. I am woman. Hear me that, roar. That's the one. That's the one. It was amazing. Got to check out the movie about her. It's really, really well done. She's a, she was amazing. So what do you think in, in 
the scheme of things, what do we need to do to change? It's, it sounds like it's going to be a, a monumental undertaking for us to change how we think about um, the genders and, and, well, and race and everything else. How do we, how do we initiate change? These conversations are priceless, you know, and that's why I'm so appreciative for people like you, Kevin. And it's great to talk to, you know, people across all genders, of course, about this topic and all races. I can speak to sexism as, it, you know, how white women have endured it. I can't speak to how black women have because it's harder, right? And so I've read a lot of books by black feminists recently. I've read a lot of books about racism recently. So, you know, jump in, dive in, read the books. You know, have the conversations. When you're sitting in a room, this is something I started doing, let's say, back in the uh, 90s, because I left a company um, in my 80s, and I thought, wow, there's no, everybody's white here in this in this company, you know? And so when I got some serious hiring power, that changed. You know, when I sit in a meeting, when I moved across the country here recently uh, to the East Coast, I was sitting in meetings, and I saw people that look mostly like me. So I put a group of people together. It was uh, women, black women, uh, and myself. I wanted to be the minority. I was the only white woman there. And we had dinner together once a month, and I, we each bring something. And we talk, and I was just done by the, yes, the similarities in our life, but the, the, but the sharp differences as well. You know, same era, women, we all kind of grew up at different parts of the country. It was, made some of the difference, certainly. But the color of the skin, what a difference. Their moms were the house cleaners. Okay, right? Right. My mom was in the house, right? And she had their mom. I, you know, I'm not saying that she did. I'm just saying that's the generation. So as we sat around the room, they were sharing stories about their mothers and the work that they did. And it was primarily cleaning houses of white families. So that start was just distinctly different and shapes us dramatically. So, you know, dig in, find out, look around the room. Guys, if you're the only guy in the room, make a difference. I'm looking at two white guys right now. I'm wondering what the heck's going on here. <laughs> you know, where can you make a difference? I question one of the companies that I coach with. It's all white men at the helm. But when I first started coaching with the company, a woman was a top, the top person. African-American was the top person. And that's gone now. So every time a survey comes out, I'm writing about that. So we all have an opportunity to really be a change agent. So, so thanks for that I, great question. I appreciate it. That's a, uh, that's number four, respect and appreciate kind and caring men. You're one of them. So I want to appreciate you right now for that. Thank you. Well, some people would say that my ex-wife, not so much. Well, anyway, we'll go, we'll go past that. Um, but, but Maybe she can call in right now and give us some insight on that. <laughs> uh, no, uh, but anyway, um, I was curious because what you just said, it's so pervasive that it's not only just a men-women issue, but it's also a degree that different women and different women of color have to face even what white women don't have to face. So it's almost like a tiered system of of you're less than, you're even more less than, and you're really, really less than. That's why I say when women rise, we take the world with us because we're 50% of every race, of every nationality, of every country, right? Religion. 
when women rise and given, that's why when you call me a woman, whatever race I am, whatever religion, we all rise. Why? Women put 90% of our income into the family versus men 30 to 40%. When women legislate, we legislate like 2.1, you know, pieces of legislation to men's 1.5. We bring back much more money to our districts. Female physicians, female leaders, stronger peace accords when women are at the table. Again, this is not inherent in women. This is how we're raising girls and boys. Girls, collaboration, connection, compassion. These are things that, you know, are the basis of our lives as females. This is what we're taught very young in age, where boys are taught to dismiss all that stuff. Yet they have the greatest access to power and resources and all that kind of stuff, right? So the, the ones in charge have the least amount of empathy. And what's driving them is this external, you know, a, a view of, oh, abundance for me means I have to have lots of sex. I have to be, you know, uh, overpowering in the boardroom. I've got to dominate, dominate, dominate. It's killing us. It's killing us. It's the source of climate change, war, violence, and poverty. I was, <laughs> I was just thinking to myself, when you were saying that, um, yeah. access to power, access to sex, access, it's like, that's what we were raised to want to have. That is everything that most men would say. I want to have the powerful. More of all that. Yeah, I want to have the job. I want to have the power. I want to have the trophy wife um, and, and all of that. And it really is pervasive in that it doesn't, but it doesn't serve us well. No. And, you know, I was talking to a guy, I interviewed him in the book. And I, I'd worked with him years ago, and he was just such a positive force in the in the company. He said, "Laurie, I've worked with women and women bosses. I was the uh, head person in the in the organization." And he said, "You know, like you, most of my life." And he said, "I I've ne I feel best when there's a woman boss because I can finally be myself." You know, I don't have to look a certain way. I don't have to, you know, be aggressive and dominating and all that kind of stuff. And he says he sees where his privilege and entitlement, like he would get angry in a room and feel like he needed to shove it down somebody's face. I mean, he really need to make sure that they knew he was right. He was right and they were wrong in a very forceful way. And he's learned over time with women in leadership. And this is not, we're not all perfect. We're not all great. I mean, I look at some of our congressional uh, leaders looking at what they're doing, yelling and screaming on the Capitol steps this week, you know, and I go, uh, exceptions, exceptions. There's exceptions to every rule, clearly. And this is not, again, again, about women being the panacea. But again, let's look at how girls are raised. Compassion, uh, connection, collaboration, relationships at the heart, the quality, and the ability to feel and express our emotions. Boys need the same thing. Human beings need the same thing. That's why I say, speak for a human identity. For goodness sakes, let's get it once and for all. This gender stuff is really not serving any of us. Let let people be, and so that their full potential can really be realized in the in the plant. We need it now more than ever. I think. I had an opportunity to work for a woman when I was uh, uh, in the restaurant industry, she was a general manager, I was the assistant, and I was sitting at the desk one day, uh, counting the change in the morning before the, the um, uh, restaurant opened, and she calls me on the phone, and we talk about what happened last night and what the numbers were and, and any problems and that kind of stuff, and she said something to me that no man would ever say to me. She said, you know, you have a great radio voice. And that was, you know, even though she was tough as nails, she was, and she was a taskmaster, but she had a heart 
And sometimes they, I would prefer, personally, I would prefer to work for a woman anytime. By the way, we've been talking with, because uh, we're going to run out of time, Lori, I'm afraid. Oh, no. Um, and if I and if I can't pronounce your last name, I owe you ten bucks, uh, Lori. <laughs> Lori Levin is uh, uh, Lori, yeah, and and she's written the book "Call Me a Woman on Our Way to Equality in Peace." You've got thirty seconds to wrap up. Tell me what you want them to know. Oh, oh, thank you. That's wonderful, and I'm so thankful you said both my name and the title of the book correctly at the oh. end of it. So. Yeah. Old dogs can change. I guess I'll leave it at that. No matter how old we are, young at heart, old at heart, whatever we are, culture, whatever, however we've been taught, okay, we can change. Just open up your heart. I'm a heart math coach now of 20 years, and I know the science of the heart. And when you open up that heart and create a coherent state in the heart, that's when, you know, you'll see love and acceptance and tolerance are really front and center. So thank you. Thanks. What's your, we, what's your website real quick? Call me a woman That's where you can check out the book or Lori Levin dot online. And thank you, Lori, for being here. It's been an enlightening hour. Hey, and thanks for listening to this episode all the way to the end. Hey, pretty cool. Hey, don't forget to follow us so you can receive regular updates and new posts. And remember, take care of each other because each other's all we've got. See you next time on My Independence Report.